What's going on, Jim Rats? This is Game Point with Mr. Fundamental, yours truly, John Lolio, known as Mr. Fundamental, doing my weekly podcast. It is February 25th, 2.20 p.m. Central Time here in Houston, Texas. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Like I said, always you can join me on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. All you have to do is search up Game Point with Mr. Fundamental, and you'll have me for a good hour or so talking sports. All sports all the time. So if you guys are in love with sports, please check me out on these podcasts that I named. We got a lot of good stuff to go over. Today, hopefully y'all had a great weekend, a safe weekend as well, as we're going to get into it. I'll be checking you guys out here on also Facebook Live. Let's get into it really quick here. As you, uh, My last show, we talked about Manny Machado signing his 10-year, $300 million deal with the San Diego Padres. What a great deal for, for him. I thought right after that, the dominoes were just going to fall like crazy. I thought people were going to get signed. I thought Bryce Harper was going to get in line and sign. I uh, challenged the New York Mets last week to go ahead and sign Bryce Harper. Obviously, they're not going to do that. Uh, Front runner, as of now, they said it was the Phillies, but now the Dodgers trying to get in on it as well. Uh, Dodgers, they'll spend whatever money to get a Bryce Harper or to get anybody as they fell short in the World Series to the Red Sox last year. And losing Manny Machado and that bat, you might as well get another one in. With that says, who knows where he's going to go? I mean, obviously, you know, he's probably more in it for the money. I mean, obviously, Manny Machado was in it for the money. I'm pretty sure that Los Angeles could have gave him some money and he would have a chance to win with the L.A., but he chose the San Diego Chargers, or excuse me, San Diego Padres. But where is Bryce Harper going to go? But that said, I'm going to give you some stats. Right here, I'm going to give you stats of two players, and I want you to give me what they're worth. First, a guy that bats 248, that's his average. He hit 27 home runs, 79 RBIs, 11 stolen bases. He had 110 strikeouts. Okay, that's player one. Player two, batted 249 with 34 home runs, 100 RBI, 13 stolen bases, and 169 strikeouts. Which player would you sign for $300 million? Obviously, I would say neither because they're both hitting under 250 But the reason why I'm bringing these two ball players up because one of them most likely will get a 10-year $300 million deal and the other got a 7-year deal for $70 million. And you know who that was? That was Aaron Hicks. Aaron Hicks of the New York Yankees signed a seven-year extension for seven-year, $70 million deal. And the stats that I gave you were his. He was the one that's batting 248, 27 homers, 79 RBIs, 11 stolen bases, and had 110 strikeouts. The other guy gave stats to the 249 batting average, 34 home runs, 100 RBIs, 13 stolen bases, and 169 strikeouts was Bryce Harper. You see the big difference there? Stats-wise, is really close. I mean, yeah, Bryce Harper does have more RBIs and a few more home runs, but he does back clean up. Aaron Hicks in New York does not. 
you have to give Aaron or the New York Yankees, the team that I hate dearly, being a Red Sox fan, big kudos for locking this guy up seven years, $70 million, only $10 million per. While Bryce Harper will sign someone for 10 years for about $30 million a year. So Brian Cashman did a great thing locking this guy up. He is a really good ball player. He's 29 of age, so I still think he's going to improve. He will improve. He will help this Yankees team as they're battling in the AL East with the Red Sox. They did get CeCe Sabathia back one year. Will it be enough? I mean, you look at the New York Yankees lineup, and it is just stacked with Staten and the big judge. I mean, you got it all there. Now the pitching is going to be the only key. But locking this young man up here for only seven years, $70 million deal. What a great deal that was, man. Talk about a great deal for the Yankees. Especially when you got Harper, who bats the same batting average, strikes out more, is going to get $300 million. So the Yankees got a big win here. But where's Bryce Harper going to go? I think he's probably going to go to Philly, you know, and then he gets the battle out with his uh, old team, Washington Nationals, 19 times a year. Last week I did say that San Diego was going to go after him, but they're actually more keen on going after Keuchel of Houston of the Houston Astros. So the San Diego Padres have a lot of interest in him. And right now Houston's not showing any interest in, in signing Keuchel to a big deal. So San Diego will probably, you know, get him over to there as well. So that's my Major League Baseball talk. So Aaron Hicks signed for seven years, $70 million. Great job, New York Yankees. I still hate you being a Red Sox fan, of course, but that's what it is. So the Yankees and Brian Cashman, they're going to have another great season this year. I think the AL East is going to be the strength again. The AL overall it still has the best three teams in baseball, I believe, and the Red Sox, New York Yankees, and the Houston Astros. I think everybody after that is just next in line, but all three of those teams are stacked. Even if Keiko does leave the Astros, I think the Astros will still be in good shape just because of the young pitching they got over there. And, of course, you got Vorla Justin Verlander, who definitely is going to make some noise. So other than that, we're moving on. Thank you for joining me. This is Game Point Mr. Fundamental Podcast. Like I said earlier, you can find me on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. All you have to do is search up Game Point with Mr. Fundamental, and you can listen to me in your car, which is always a fun thing to do. You know, just talking sports and things like that. I do have myself on Facebook Live for people who ever want to uh, chime in. I'll read a comment here and there and, and put you on the air here. So we're going to move on. Other things that happened in the last couple days, past week, is obviously the owner of the New York or the New England Patriots, Robert Kraft, was charged with first degree solicitation to, of prostitution. Holy man, let me tell you something. I'm a, I'm a big Patriot fan. And, you know, if you're a team that wins a lot, you're the most hated. But it seems like every few years we get some negative news in New England all the time. It happens. It's happened in the last 18 years. First you had Spygate, you know, then you had Deflate Gate, and then you had a certain tight end murdering somebody. And then you had Deflate Gate, and now you got this. And this is tough for me to swallow because Robert Kraft is considered one of the model owners in the NFL. This guy gives to charity all the time. He, he's a big advocate of the NFL. 
he he's one of the best owners and for him to get caught doing something like this it, it really it kind of hurts me a little bit because like I said Robert Kraft is the guy that you you really look up to um one thing that people don't really realize how serious this is because this was also part of a sex traffic trafficking investigation people don't understand solicitation of prostitution and sex trafficking are two different things now when you have solicitation of prostitution that's just a guy paying for sex to a prostitute a prostitute that wants to get money to be a prostitute and wants to get money for their services sex trafficking is different this means that these people are have been forced to be a prostitute and this is a very big deal now robert Kraft did come out and he did say yes i was there but i had no idea there was sex trafficking going on and and that's a big deal that that is a very big deal a guy paying for prostitutes and i'm not saying you know that's a good thing or bad thing he's i mean his wife you know passed away i believe four years back you know he's kind of a single guy i think he is dating a 39 year old it must be nice when you're 77 years old and can date a 39 year old but when you're rich you can do whatever right but like i said this is this is a tough uh, situation he is facing. If he gets uh, committed the first degree, it's up to a $1,000 fine and up to a year in jail. I would expect he wouldn't get that. He would probably have to pay his fine. And then he would you know, probably have to do, be on probation or something like that. I don't think he'll get any jail time. But what I'm really interested in is to see what uh, Roger Goodell is going to do. Because obviously the NFL is going to punish as well. And the only one I can kind of uh, compare this to is maybe Jim Irsay. He He's the owner of the Colts. He pleaded guilty to a DUI or DWI. And the commission gave him, uh, I believe, a million, it was a 500, it was a million dollar fine and suspended him six games. So I would suspect no matter what, because I think Robert Kraft, you know, like he said, he, he admitted he was there. He probably will get charged with some kind of solicitation of prostitution. What will Roger Goodell do? I believe he'll get fined, and I believe he should get suspended. I mean, obviously, if you suspend one, you got to suspend the other. And this is what I don't like about the NFL. NFL is not in plain writing. They don't have their T's and T's crossed and their I's dotted. I mean, you can tell, you know, Brady, who... uh they didn't improve deflated the balls. He got a four-game suspension. And then you got guys that can slap a girl and only get a two-game suspension. So things are, you know, the way they do in the NFL, I don't always agree with. Like I said, I'm kind of saddened about this with Robert Kraft, you know, being an owner that people look up to. I think uh, for him, you know, it's more of an embarrassment thing because, um, you know, getting caught with something like that is very embarrassing especially to your ego and to what the legacy is. A lot of people say he's going to sell the team. He's not going to do that. He's still going to be the owner. Um, his son, Josh Kraft, will take over when, when that's all said and done. So that's what I expect there. But wow, what a mess there for Robert Kraft there in an embarrassment too. I mean, just getting caught. I'm just glad that he wasn't married or anything like that because that would even be worse. But hey, I guess that's what happens when you hang out with Meek Mill, right? I mean, did you see, did you actually see Robert Kraft during like the Super Bowl and the, and the celebrations, how he was dancing? 
and the little chain he had. I mean, this guy is a 77-year-old badass. I mean, he, he he's going out there and having a good time, but Mr. Kraft, I think you're having a little too much of a good time hanging out in Florida and getting yourself busted. First degree solicitation of prostitution he was charged for. Uh, moving on to more NFL. Antonio Brown keeps getting mentioned up, which drives me crazy. Uh, you know, one of the he he is the biggest diva in the NFL right now. Uh, the Pittsburgh, uh, they're going to trade him. Obviously, they said they want to trade him to an NFC NFC team. It's obvious why. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, who you don't want to trade him to Cleveland where you're going to face him twice a year. You have to, you know, worry about that circus. Trade him far away. Obviously, San Francisco's his where he wants to go. If you can get what you want from San Francisco, go ahead and send him over to Jimmy G and San Francisco to see how he does there. Like I say, he's a great talent. If I was a team that's trading for him, you know, with the $21 million cap hit, I wouldn't. I would trade like a mid mid round pick. You know, it, it, I mean, if, if Pittsburgh's thinking they're getting a first or second, I think they're crazy. You know, because because of his high cap hit, and because of what he brings. I don't care where you bring him. You bring him into San Francisco. He's still the same diva. Obviously, San Francisco starts losing. Is Brown gonna lose his head? Is he gonna start going off into the deep end again? We're gonna see. But if I were San Francisco, I'd I would offer him a fifth round pick and start there. And say, take it or leave it. Because obviously, Pittsburgh doesn't want him anymore. So what good is it for them to keep him? And, and everybody in the NFL knows that. So they are going to lowball him. I'd be surprised if they got a... I think it'd be a win for uh, Pittsburgh if they got a third-round pick. I really do. If they got a third-round pick for him. Let me know what you guys think at home. You know, like I said, you can chime in. And I'll, and I'll read them out on my podcast. And we'll talk about them. I'm thinking about getting a phone line as well. So I can give my podcast a number. We can uh, definitely do calls, and that'd be great. So we're going to move on to more fun stuff. NFL is on his offseason, so let's get into college basketball. A couple interesting things happen. Obviously, Zion Williamson had a shoe blowout. First 30 seconds of the game of the North Carolina Duke Classic. Well, not really a classic. North Carolina obviously took care of business. All the air was let out of those tires when Zion got hurt. But this brings up a huge topic to talk about. And I want you guys to let me know what you think. Think about this, guys. This guy is the consensus number one pick. You could say arguably, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. This guy is going to be picked number one. I don't care what you say. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to tell you why. Number one, yes, he does have a high upside. He's athletic, but he's going to sell tickets. And sometimes NBA, NBA is still a business. You can have two players. One guy's talent is, and I'm just going to go by NBA 2K. One, one guy's um, ceiling is a 90 and the other guy's ceiling is an 80. They're going to take the 80 because if his, you know, he, he can sell you extra tickets and he's a, a market attraction. And Zion Williamson is that. But here's the thing that really is going to come into focus with this injury. A lot of people were saying, well, he should just shut it down and go to the NBA. In reality, he can. He can. He can do that because the league says you have to go to college for a year and he can just say, hey, my knee hurts, I'm done. Think about this, guys. Think about this. And, and, and this is what I really thought about. And if, if I was Zion Williamson, I would definitely shut it down. 
I would. I would just say, well, I'm done because you're playing with millions and millions of dollars if you get hurt again. And now this is going to come up into focus later on. You, you're already seeing it right now with uh, college football players, you know, when they're in their junior year because they have to play a certain amount of years also. They don't even play their bowl games anymore because they're afraid to get hurt before going into the NFL. And I think the NBA needs to change the rule again. I know it's tough. I, I just say, you know what? Make it, you're 18, you can get in the NBA. Because this one and done stuff is not good for anybody. It's not good for college basketball especially because now you see all these top programs and you don't know what you get every year. You always see these top programs going down to what they call the Cinderella teams, the small mid-market teams all the time. And it's good for March Madness, but it's not good for college basketball because if you look at it, over the last 10 to 15 to 20 years, college basketball's, I guess you want to say talent or, you know, you know, it's profitability, it's, it's competition, the quality of basketball is not where it needs to be. You know, I got a comment here from a Marcus Milkman Milner saying he needs to do what Kyrie did. Yeah, shut it down and go. You know, Kyrie was there. He hurt his ankle. He didn't play many. I think he only played like 10 games for Duke, and he was out. And, and that's exactly what he should do. And that's not always good for college basketball. That is terrible for college basketball because everybody is excited to see Duke in the tournament with this star power. Now, he said, you know, they're bringing up the rule, uh, you know, that they should change it. And he actually said that he would have came to college anyway, even if it was 18 plus. Now, if Zion can hear me, I think you full of it. You are definitely full of it. There's no way you would have you would have went to college and let all that money go away. Now I will be honest with you. Going before the season started, let's say it was 18, I don't think he would have been drafted number one because there was a lot of question marks with Jan Williamson. Yes, he was a freak in nature. He can hop. He can dunk. He was powerful. But one thing that the biggest question mark for Zion going into the regular season of the college season was this. Can he shoot? Can he score off the dribble? Can he do the little things and score? And he being in Duke this first season actually made him a lot more money than if he were to came out as 18, to be honest with you. I mean, he has shown that he can shoot. He has shown he can play in big competition. He's made himself more money by going to college. So yes, it was a good thing that he went to college and he and he came and he did his thing. But you're still talking about dollars. And it's still a business. Overall, you're li- I mean, these guys that are college athletes, it's their business. It's their business that they're putting themselves on the floor. So... He's been in college. If I, I'm telling you, if I was Zion, I would shut it down. Because let's say you do come back, and you come back a smidge too quick, and you blow out your knee in the NCAA tournament, and you're out one year, you might as well go back to Duke again and not even get into the draft because you might, you're going to lose yourself millions. And like I said, this is a problem for the NBA. This is a problem for college. They need to change the rule. I know the NBA talked about having a, you know, instead of going to college, you can go to this, you know, like semi-pro NBA, you know, kind of what, you know, Daddy Ball was trying to do. 
just make like a semi-pro league and have them, and so they can go right to the, go right into, from high school to the to the NBA, but a semi-pro level. I'm not sure what I think about that either, because then you got a lot of good talent being stashed away. That would actually benefit teams more because they can just stash them away in the semi-pros. But I would just get away with the one and done. Or you make a rule and say, hey, listen, if you go to college, you have to go at least two years. And that's it. If you if you go one year, you can't get out. You got to go at least two years. Something needs to change because this one and done is really hurting the game of basketball. And now with the Zion Williamson, I'm telling you, if Zion Williamson doesn't come back, there's going to be a lot of players that are really good that might not even... They'll be like they'll be done. Think about it. Because is there a rule that says, okay, when the NCAA tournament starts, you can quit and drop out of school and get ready for the NBA draft? Is there a rule against that? Because think about this. Let's say you playing for University of Houston and you're a, you know you're a top five pick, and University of Houston. That's a great team this year. Go Cougs, number nine in the nation. I don't know if they updated it. I forgot to look at the updates. I apologize. They're on a 33-game home winning streak, longest in the nation. But let's say you're a recruit for them, and you know your team is not national title bound, but you're going to be a good team. As a player, wouldn't you just say, I'm not playing. I might get hurt. It'll cost me millions. It's going to happen. It's going to happen if these rules are not changed. And it needs to be changed really quick. But it's really interesting. Um, he's not going to play the next game. I Coach K said that they're going, they're going to take their his, their time on him, but Duke will need them to win a, him to win a national championship. If he doesn't come back, I mean, Duke will be okay, but they won't get to the Final Four. They need him. He's a force, but he is going to make money in the NBA, a lot of it, and the New York Knicks are just taking away to get him, and he would be a perfect fit in New York. And we'll talk about who will fit with him later in the show. So that's Zeon. Before we move on to more college basketball, I want to remind you my sponsor, JNT Enterprises, construction company here in the Houston area. If you're looking for remodeling, fencing, roofing, or all the above, drywall, whatever you need, please call JNT Enterprises. 713-419-2582. That's Travis at JNT Enterprises for any of your general contracting needs. Now, as we move on, another interesting game thing that came up was Old Miss. Their basketball team had eight players kneel for the national anthem. Actually, six of them kneeled, and two of them kneeled in the last line. And this turned a lot of heads. The one thing they were kneeling for which I thought was a great reason, is they had a pro-Confederacy rally show up on their campus earlier that day. And they weren't too happy about it. And I got to give kudos to these players because a lot of people think that when you kneel for the national anthem, it is disrespect to your country. I do not believe this. I believe they kneel to bring attention to something that would have never happened this pro-Confederacy rally has happened a few times at Ole Miss. Did we hear about it? Not until these guys kneeled. And they kneeled for a good reason. Uh, Brian Tyree, their leading scorer, said, I quote, To the people that fight for our country, my teammates and I meant no disrespect to anybody. Everything you do for us, but we had to take a stand to negative things that went on today in our campus. So I give kudos to you young guys because th th this is, like I said, is is a huge 
thing in our country, you know, people kneeling and a lot of people bring up patriotism. That's what our President Trump always says. He used that card last year uh, when NFL players were kneeling. He used the whole patriot and got everybody against the NFL. I think in this situation, I hope that President Trump does not comment on this or use patriotism whatsoever. I hope, you know, he, you know, speaks highly of these young guys. All they were trying to do is say, hey, we do not condone what happened in our campus today. That is not Ole Miss. That is not the way Ole Miss operates. We don't want people being pro-Confederate on our campus. So we use this platform to get on a knee and say, hey, we don't like this at all. And so the Ole Miss players that did that, I commend you. I hope people don't think they did it to disrespect the flag whatsoever. Um, I think it's a weird thing that now for us, for any athlete or anybody to be heard about a situation, we got to kneel for the national anthem. And, 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 and what's weird about it is we got all this, all the internet and Facebooks and everything like that, social media to get it out there. But yet the only way these guys are heard is if they kneel for the national anthem. When you kneel for the national anthem it does not mean you're disrespecting the flag. You're just trying to get attention to some kind of social injustice or some pro-confederacy rally or something that you want to be heard about. And I can totally understand these guys. I give these guys kudos, you know, for being brave because like I said, you can get big backlashes from their Ole Miss athletic director uh, supported them. The coaches supported them. The coach didn't even know about this. The head coach said, I didn't know until it was happening. You know, so these guys planned it on their own. You know, so, you know, good on the young players. They said the right thing. I thought Mr. Tyree, when he put out that tweet, you know, you know, telling people that fight for the country, hey, we meant no disrespect. We're just trying to get this out here. I like what they said there. And, it, and it, it, it was good. I, I really appreciate that. But we'll go ahead and move on from college basketball in a second. But who do you think now with college March coming around the corner, who's it going to be, man? Who's going to win the national championship this year? I say take a bunch of coins and toss them up. I really thought if Duke fully healthy would be pretty much unstoppable. I still think that, but I don't think Zion Williamson's going to come back. I really don't. I, if, if he does, I'll be surprised. I, like I said, too much money to be lost if he comes back. So I think it's going to be – I think University of Virginia is tough. You know, Michigan State's starting to come on strong. But anybody can win it. And so hopefully in the next few weeks we'll get a little more clarity and we'll talk on this podcast down to the T. Who's going to win it? So when we get the big dance card – I'll break it down and I'll pick my national championship. Until then, too much can happen, too many injuries, too much whatever. You never know what's going to happen. So we're going to move on to my favorite sport, basketball, NBA basketball, that is. As you can tell, problems everywhere in Celtic lands after getting beat up by the Bulls, a team that they beat by 56 earlier this season, they lose two by 10. And then Kyrie Irving, Tells everybody he's not worried. There's no team in the East that can beat us in a seven-game series. <laughs> okay. I believe him. 
when it comes to no team that can beat him in a seven-game series. I chose the Celtics not because I'm a fan of the Celtics. I just think they're the best team in the East. They're too deep. They're too talented. And I believe they will turn it on for the playoffs, but they still do have problems. And it's a problem that a coach, one of the best young coaches in the NBA has, which is not a very good problem because I don't think he's handling this problem too well. And that's the minutes that he is distributing out. And one to a guy who had a career year last year as a starter in the playoffs being Terry Scary Rozier. Terry Rozier this year has had the hardest time figuring out what his role on this team is with the minutes that he gets. He gets between 15 to 22 minutes a game. And in these minutes, he's pressing too hard. I really got a chance to really look at some film on him to figure out what is wrong with my Celtics. I figure since my name is Mr. Fundamental, I might as well break it down. So I started watching some tape. And the biggest problem I see, well, there's a few. One is Terry Rozier, and I'll get into the specifics with him in a second. But the other two is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Those guys last year were playing major minutes and doing major things. This year, their minutes have gone down. But at the same time, they both, I don't want to say both. I'm going to say more Jalen Brown regressed. But Jason Tatum hasn't jumped up that next step that I expected him to take. Jalen Brown has came around a little bit. But at the same time, him being in his third year, you would think he would make a bigger jump. I think defensively, he's pretty good. Offensively. He takes too many jumpers, and this is the same for Jason Tatum. Both of these guys need to get to the line more. They, they're athletic. They're quick. They can jump out the gym, get to the rack more, get some free throws, and let's get going. Jason Tatum has shown sparks here and there, but other than that, that's what they need him to do. He needs to be more aggressive going to the rack. This Celtic team is like they shoot so many threes. They're almost like the Rockets and Warriors, but they have more talent to go to the rack and they need to. But let's get to Terry Rozier. This is where I think the biggest problem is. And if Brad Stevens, if you're listening to me, I know you're a better coach than me. I know you got a better basketball mind than me, but I got a little basketball mind. That's why they call me Mr. Fundamental. And this is what I would do. I would actually bench Terry Rozier. I would probably uh, give all his minutes to Brad Wanamaker. He's their uh, point guard. He's their backup, backup point guard, but he's a veteran guy. And he knows how to run an offense. Terry Rozier, if you watched him, like I said, I've been watching film on him lately. This the other night, he took nine shots in 15 minutes. And that's a lot of shots in 15 minutes of game time. He is forcing. He doesn't know his role. Every time he gets the ball, he's pressing to get stats. It's like, hey, when you get in the game and you want to average 10 points a game and you only have three minutes to do it, guess what? You're going to shoot 10 shots to get it. And I think that's what he's doing he is not playing team basketball. He's playing me basketball. And it's, I'm not trying to you know, take that big of a dig at him. He's playing, I'm going to contract year basketball. So I know he wants to do his best for his team, but he wants to do his best for himself as well. And he wants to prove his worth as a player that can start in this league and as a player that can get the money in this league. But he's not doing it. Terry Rozier, like I said, his plus and minus is horrendous. It's one of the worst in Boston, of all the players, you need to bench him. And I know he's a favorite in Boston. 
And I know some people will say, no, no, no. But when it comes playoff time, Brad, you're going to have to really, I know the Celtics are deep, but you're going to have to really break this rotation down. you got to give more minutes to guys like Jason Tatum, even a Kyrie Irving, which I expect to happen. I think playoff time, I think Terry Rozier will just be on the bench the whole time. I really do. I really expect that. But moving on from there, who do you think is the best team in the East? Right now, Milwaukee's looking like it. I still think the Celtics will do it, but Milwaukee is looking great. Philadelphia is some big trouble. Philadelphia, Joel Embiid being out and for some time, that's going to really hurt them. So if you're like the Celtics and Philly, you really want to get out of that fourth or fifth seed, especially if the Celtics are Philly. I mean, right now, it'd be Philly and the Celtics in the first round, and that's a tough matchup. For both of those teams. And then they have to go to the second round. And play the number one seed. You really want to get to that third seed. Because then you're playing absolutely nobody in the first round. And then you're playing probably the two seed Toronto. Which in my eyes I think would be easier to get through than Milwaukee. So if you Boston and Philly. You need to pick it up. And right now I think Boston has the keys to do it. They just need to get more consistent. But hey. What do I know? These NBA players, they don't play in the regular season anymore. That's the problem. Who does? They never do. It drives me crazy, too, that these guys only play when they want to, and it is just terrible for basketball. I remember growing up in the 80s watching Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Detroit Pistons, the Bad Boys, Michael Jordan, the Bulls. These guys, it didn't seem like they took any playoff during any season, any game off at all. Now Nowadays, people are... Did not play for rest. You know, taking plays off. Defense is terrible. I mean, guys are shooting lower percentage. If you if you go back to the 80s, fellas, you go back just to the average, the average shooting percentages, man, you had a bunch of shooting guards that were in 50 percentile. You're lucky to get a shooting guard in 50 percentile unless they're just dunking everything. And then also, how many games were missed by star players? They had to be hurt. I mean, I'm not talking about like little spring ankle hurt. Their leg had to be broken or knee had to be blown out from them to miss games back in the 80s. And, and this is what's hurting the NBA. Like, I don't, I remember when there was a game on, on Sunday on NBC, you know, when they had dun 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 You remember that tone? I used to stop what I was doing to watch those games. And I know now games are more, there's like almost a game on every night. But even if it's like a good matchup, I don't really care to watch it. I might turn it on to see what the score is, but I don't watch it. It's, it's ugly basketball. It really is. The, the NBA doesn't start until the playoffs get going, you know, So it, and, and it's tough. So when you look out west, then, you know, you got Golden State. You got the Nuggets right behind them. Uh, like I said, I, the Nuggets will finish the two seed, but they're only a game back. You know, Golden State took a tough loss against a Harden-less Houston Rocket team. And this further proves my point that the regular season doesn't matter. Are you telling me a full strength Golden State Warriors team, if they played their hardest, they can't beat a Houston Rocket team without James Harden? Are you kidding me? And then out of Houston, you got some guys with the nerve to say that the Rockets are better without James Harden? Come on now. Come on now. Stop with the nonsense. Now, I'm not a big fan of Hart. I'm not. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of a guy that dribbles 30,000 times. And, and, and this is actually true. I saw something that said 
guys with the most dribbles during playing time this season. And Harden was like at 29,712. And the next person was like Kevin Durant at 12,000. Doubled. James Harden is tough to watch as a basketball guy. Because us basketball guys that have a basketball background, that have a coaching background, that have a fundamental background, we want to see that ball move around. And when you watch a Rockets game, all you see is James Harden dribble, 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 and shoot. But to say that the Rockets are better without Harden is nonsense. Stop it. Pack it up. So what? They beat the Golden State Warriors, who don't care about the regular season, in one game by your team that had fun and moved the ball. Now, I, I, I'm going to admit, the Eric Gordons, P.J. Tuckers, the Capellas, even the Chris Pauls, probably that was their most fun game they played all year because they got to touch the ball. They actually got to move without the ball. They had a great time playing without Harden. But still, they are not better without Harden. Stop saying it. Get it out of your head. It's not the case. Do I think the Houston Rockets can challenge the Golden State Warriors in the West? No. No, 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 no. So you ask me, who do I think can change? Who do I think can challenge the Golden State Warriors in the West? A lot of you say, well, what about your Nuggets, John? What about your Nuggets? You said they were number two. Are they the biggest threat? I said they would be number two, but I don't say they would challenge them the best. That's not the team that will challenge them. The Nuggets are an upcoming team. I love what they're doing. I think they'll win in the first round, and then they're going to lose to the team in the second round, who I think will challenge the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, and that is the OKC Thunder. You got PG-13, you got Russell Westbrook, you got those guys playing out their minds. Both of them are not afraid of any moment. Both of them have engines that go, go, go. They only have one speed, and that's 100. One gear, and that's fifth gear. If there's a sixth gear, it's sixth gear. They go, go, go. PG-13, arguably having an MVP season. If it wasn't for Harden and all these 30-point games, I would give it to PJ-3. Even Giannis, the Greek freak up there as well overshadowing PG-13. But this team is cooking. Steven Adams, clog in the middle. And you got two superstars that playing out their mind. And like I said, when it comes playoff time, I expect them to be up there and they're going to threat the Golden State Warriors. Do I think they'll beat the Golden State Warriors? No. Can they beat the Golden State Warriors? Yes. So I wouldn't be surprised if OKC stunned Golden State went to the finals. And you know what the beautiful thing about it is? Kevin Durant, both PG, 13, and Russell Westbrook want to be there. And I would love it. Because like I said, I have, I have no bone in this race over here or whatever the saying is. Like I said, wherever I live is my second favorite team, which would be the Houston Rockets. So when it comes to OKC and Golden State, I could care less who wins, but I would love to see OKC win. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be something for OKC fans to see them beat KD and the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals? How fun would that be to see that? I wonder what KD would think. He would take a lot of hit for that, wouldn't he? If you would have just stayed, you could have been us. 
But that's what I hope happens. I really do. I really hope that happens. I, I would love to see OKC go to the NBA Finals, beating the Golden State Warriors. Do I think it'll happen? No. As much as I want it to happen in a seven-game series, I don't see it happening. Golden State will still go to the Finals. They will probably three-peat, and we'll all be bored with it. But then the summer will come, and we'll see where all these free agents will go. And that's what brings up the Kyrie thing. A lot of people say Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Zion Williamson in New York. And I know that would make a lot of you New York ha- New Yorkers happy. As well as Stephen A. Smith, who loves New York. He would love to see that happen. Do I see that happening? We go over every week, guys. I don't know. I would like to say Kyrie will stay in Boston. But I guess that depends if they can get to the finals or not. And it's like Kyrie said, we can be anybody in seven in the East. Hope you can back that up, superstar. Because if not, you in trouble. I want to give a quick shout out to Isaiah Thomas of the Denver Nuggets who came back not too long ago from his long, seems like two-year injury. IT is close to my heart as a Celtic fan. I believe he's the reason why we are where we are now. You know, when we traded for him years ago, he was on a very modest contract, $7 million a year. Became an all-team NBA player. Helped our team to get to the playoffs. Helped our team get to the Eastern Conference Finals. And helped us land Kyrie, trading him away. And the tough thing that happened in the business in the NBA is he was expecting a Brink truck from the Celtics. But that was hard for Danny Ainge to pass up when you can trade for a younger, higher, better player than what you are. And then suffer that injury cost him millions of dollars. The poor guys on a minimum contract stuck in Denver. A great place to play. A great team to play for. And so far, he's not doing too bad. He's playing 17 minutes a game, averaging 11 points a game already, two assists, one rebound. Only shooting 39%, but guess what? He's coming back from injury. And with the young guys in front of him, he's going to keep coming off the bench. So do I think he'll stay in Denver next year? Probably not. But what do you think? You think where do you think he'll go? Going to be 30 years old next year. Actually, he's 30 now, isn't he? So he might be 31 next year. And a guy that wants a big contract will never get it. But I give props to him. I'm glad to see him being playing basketball game. Let me tell you something. Now, I'm not no NBA player, but I do play rec ball. And when I'm injured and I can't play ball, it sucks. It sucks. And I can't imagine being on as long as he was. Waiting. Waiting to come back. And to go out there and just play the game you love is the best thing in the world. And I'm, I'm glad to see him out there having fun, especially he's playing for a winning squad as well. He doesn't have to have that pressure that he has to score 20 a game. There's no pressure that has to be the star. So Isaiah Thomas, I give kudos to you. Welcome back. Glad you're back. I'm cheering for you. I'm just glad you're not in the Lakers uniform like you were last year because I do not like the Lakers. And that will be our last topic of the day. Lakers and LeBron. LeBron said he's going to turn on his jets or whatever it is, his intensity early to help his Lakers get to the playoffs. They started out great. They beat Harden in the, in the Houston Rockets. But then something happened the other night. Guess what happened? Oh, yeah. They lost to the Pelicans. And what does LeBron do? He called out his teammates once again, saying they don't understand the intensity. You know what drives me nuts about this? You know what really drives me nuts? Why can't this just be saying behind closed doors? Why do you have to go to the media like this? This is 
does this actually work? I can understand why a coach does it, but why would a player, a leader of a team do that? Like, just throw your teammates under the bus. It's like LeBron is saying, hey, this is not my my fault that we suck and we can't make the playoffs. But you throw your young guys under the bus. I'll be honest with you. I was one of those young guys. I wouldn't want to play for you. Always throwing me under the bus. Why don't you throw your grind under the bus? Your groin muscle kept you out for 19 games and we sucked. Your fault, LeBron. I feel bad for Coach Luke Walton have to deal with this. Lakers, you're in trouble. I don't care what anybody says. Everybody keeps saying, oh, the Lakers are going to make the playoffs. Have you seen Sacramento play basketball? Those Kings are insane. The Iron Fox from the Houston area doing his thing. I mean, you got Bagley, man, playing defense, not afraid of anybody going out there playing ball. Buddy Heal. Shooting about 48% from the three-point line. Getting buckets. This team is for real. And I hope they get the AC too. I would hate the Lakers to get the AC. Everybody wants to say, oh, let's get the Lakers to get the AC. If the Lakers get the AC, oh yeah, they'll challenge the Golden State Warriors. No, they won't. Tell me I'm wrong. They won't challenge him. According to LeBron, they don't have the intensity to challenge him. 4 nothing. Golden State over the Lakers. Now, Sacramento, on the other hand, that would be intriguing because now you've got a young, hungry team going up against the Warriors. Now, when the Warriors win, of course they'll win. But you'll have a couple exciting games. I think it'll be 4-1 or 4-2. I think the Golden State Warriors, or excuse me, the Sacramento Kings could take, would definitely take one, maybe even two. They're not in the same league, but that'd be better for basketball. And I'll be honest with you, I'm just sick of LeBron. I'm sick of LeBron. I'd give credit where credit is due. Yeah, LeBron is one of the best players ever to play the game, but I'm sick of hearing about him. Every day, every time I go on ESPN.com, it doesn't matter where I go, every time we put on the Sports Center, we got to hear about LeBron. Why? There's other players out there. What about, I know that Giannis is not in the huge market. Let's hear about him. Let's hear about KD. Let's hear about other players. We always got to hear about what LeBron thinks and says. That's the one thing I don't like about sports and social media. You know, we hear too much about some players all the time. You know, I'll be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a Patriot fan, right? But I can see why, you know, the average NFL fan hates the Patriots, hates Tom Brady. Because that's all they talk about is Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. In basketball, it's LeBron James or whatever team he plays for. I don't want to hear about LeBron anymore. Let me hear about the Nuggets and their new guys. Let's start marketing other players. What in the world are we going to do when LeBron retires? Who the hell are we going to talk about? Tell me. Like I said, LeBron, one of the greatest players of all time. I, I do like his game. I'm just sick of hearing about him. So I hope the Lakers do not make the playoffs. And LA Clippers, they're not giving it away either. They trade away Tobias Harris. You're thinking they're taking themselves away. Doc Rivers says, Oh, no, not on my watch. We're going to keep playing. We're going to play hard. And we're going to finish over the, the, the new little sisters, Los Angeles Lakers. And when we do, we're going to win the free agency. And we'll be the team in L.A. next year. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to see that. So Lakers in trouble, man. Lakers need to make the playoffs. They really do. Because if you're a potential free agent and you're looking at that young squad, and you're looking at an aging LeBron, which still, you know, 
at 35, 36-year-old LeBron in the next one or two years is probably still the top five player. But you're looking over there and saying, man, do I sign a five-year deal so my first two years are good and when LeBron goes away, I'm screwed? Hey, I'm telling you, Los Angeles Lakers are in some big trouble. Some big, big trouble. But hey, that's the NBA. That's the world we live in. This is Game Point with Mr. Fundamental. Thanking you for joining me today. Before I go, I got to remind you where to find me. Because like I said, I am on Facebook Live right now. But this is a podcast. I put this on Anchor. But you can find me on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Therefore, you can be in your car. All you got to do is search up Game Point with Mr. Fundamental. And my face will pop up. And you can just ride in your car or just put in your headphones to your phone. And listen to me talk sports for an hour. Thank you for joining me today. This is February 25th. We ended this at 3.12 Central Time saying thank you, Jim Rats. Until next time, let's get it.